Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. We are one more week closer. The destination is in sight. Everything is starting to appear on the horizon. It's nearly WrestleMania. I can't wait. Welcome everyone to the Hooked On podcast. I'm Rob McNichol and joining me as always, the king of Hooked On events. He is my friend and colleague, Paul Benson. How are you doing, Paul? I'm good, Rob. Thank you. How about yourself? Hello, everybody. And yeah, you can tell it's getting down to the road to WrestleMania or a pay-per-view because I've just placed an order for 500 byros. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, ne- Always an indicator that a party's just around the yeah, corner. We never do get those back. We should we should advertise that as part of the package. I think. I think we should say, come to <laughs> Free- Walkabout Temple or wherever it is that you go to. Uh, come to Walkabout Temple and enjoy the wrestling and uh, join in the quiz and the fancy dress. Have a free pen, one per team. Uh, now, listen, we don't mind if that's what you take away from our uh, our evenings, and you can savour it and go. That's my hooked on pen. That is. We should get some branded ones done. That's a marketing idea live on the show. There you, go. there you go, mate. I'm writing it down as we Brainstorming speak. live here on the Hooked On podcast. Um, I mentioned that it's a week closer to WrestleMania and I'm excited. Hey, it's genuine. I'm really starting to get into the WrestleMania mood. I hadn't done um, until very, very recently. I like WrestleMania. I always like it and I was expecting it to appear and now it's appeared. I'll tell you why. The start of the spring-summer spectacular, in my mind... Uh, spring summer spring sporting spectacular in my mind is the start of the Cheltenham Festival I love my horse racing it's the Cheltenham Festival this week we're two days in as we're recording this podcast and that's of no interest to most wrestling fans but I think this is the best time of year for sport if you're a sport fan Cheltenham starts it's not long until the Grand National on the horse racing front we're getting to the business end of the football season it's the Champions League quarterfinals coming up the end of the Premier League season the FA Cup we have that. You have the London Marathon, if that's your thing. The boat race, the US Masters as the golf gets started. All sorts of sport going on, but right in the heart, right near the start, is WrestleMania. And there is just, I get a little warm, fuzzy feeling around WrestleMania time. It doesn't matter what the card looks like. But we're pretty much there, I think, Paul. I think it's pretty much developed now, and I think it looks pretty healthy. Well, I'd agree, you know. None of the matches have taken us by surprise, really, have they? And there's a couple of guys that still need to be slotted in somewhere. Um, I don't think it's perfect. It's not how I would have done it, and certainly not how anyone would have done it, but it's got some real potential for some storming matches on there, hasn't it? Here's the problem. You've just hit that nail on the head there, perhaps inadvertently. It's not how I would have done it. Now, you are a smart enough man to understand that you actually, despite your uh, lofty... Um, you know what you would like the place that you would like to get to you're probably never going to be the head of the booking committee in WWE so therefore you can come up with all the ideas that you like which in the old days you might have rattled down on an e-fed or something like that um, these days what you'd get to do is you get to talk about talk about it with your mates on a podcast or on a Facebook group or whatever it might be it probably doesn't come true but hey it's fun to freestyle and think about where it could go when it yeah. doesn't happen it doesn't mean they're wrong this is what I want to get to It's no, there's no I think some people don't allow some leeway because they're not seeing CM Punk versus Daniel Bryan in a best of seven all in the same night match. 
then therefore WrestleMania is no good. And oh, okay, I'm deliberately exaggerating, but I think it's a pretty healthy-looking WrestleMania lineup, and I think that they have invested some time in a lot of these things. They don't feel to me thrown together. There's been some WrestleManias where we've got to the end of January and you think, I have no idea where this is going to come from, and there's some left-field, you know, things, and there's some injuries and all sorts of things. I think this year feels like they've had an idea for a long time and they've built towards it. If it comes off, it comes off. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I think, it, to me, it's looking healthy. Yeah, I fully agree and and completely agree on um, on the thought process about how it feels like it's a card that's been in the planning. And to me, if you do that, you've won half the battle anyway, because you know I used the contrast of last year's WrestleMania, and it felt so thrown thrown together at the last minute. All right, partly that was because of injuries really decimated the roster and, and made them change plans, but you could tell. Whereas this year they've been a lot luckier with the injuries, and every match, like you say, feels organic, feels like it's got a reason to exist and yeah i wouldn't necessarily agree with everything yet they've built things the right way for the most part if we go through match by match then there's a couple of exceptions that i would you know maybe raise my eyebrows a bit but for the most part it's a card that, that like i say has a reason to exist and it's gonna you know by and large deliver in the ring now i know that's probably a given for most matches in wwe nowadays that it's going to be quality action um but that tends to mean nothing if there's no no fire behind it, no reason for the match to exist. And there aren't too many matches on the card where you can say that about this time, I would think. That is true. I've just realised my mistake. I have come straight in in this podcast, right from the first bell, and not really set up why we're here. Listen, everyone, we are hooked on events, hooked on wrestling. We are putting together eight WrestleMania parties this year across the UK, which Paul is going to tell you about in just a second. But also on this podcast, coming up later on, after me and Paul have had a little chit-chat about uh, WrestleMania and a few other topical events, we're going to be welcoming our guest on the show. He is esteemed British wrestler Dave Mastiff. And the reason, Paul, that we're getting Dave on is because he's joining the HAL team. He absolutely is. Um, absolutely delighted to, just to have him on board. He's going to be uh, hosting our Birmingham event. Uh, in the new Shooters Bar on Broad Street. Um, I think it'd be fantastic, don't you? Absolutely. Um, I first saw Dave, um, well, we'll talk about a bit more about his career later on, but uh, I first saw him wrestle, I think it was in 2008. Um, totally unique look. Um, the kind of one you think, well, it's just a, it's a, it's a bit of a gimmick. It's someone who just is there to look good, but oh my goodness, the man can wrestle. Um, he is outstanding. I've seen him have some excellent um, hard-hitting bouts in lots of different companies. Uh, he's truly great. Listen, we wouldn't get anyone on this podcast that we didn't truly think was great. We wouldn't have them working with us if we didn't think he was great. So we're not going to just get on any old uh, has-been wrestler that's been released from WWE and interviewed him and blow smoke up their backside and say, you're ever so good you are. That's not what we're about. He's on the team because we love him, um, and I think he'll do a great job. Um, he's got a unique... Um, sense of humour and character about him as Dave both in, you know, I don't like saying this, but in real life and in the ring um, either way um, he's a kind of magnetic character and I think he'll do a fabulous job in Birmingham Agreed Really looking forward to it, and you guys who are in Birmingham for that event, you lucky lucky so-and-sos Birmingham is not the only place we are running, Paul, I've already mentioned we're in Walkabout Temple in London, tell us about the full lineup of eight shows I will indeed. So, like you say, you've covered our London and Birmingham parties. We've also got um, a party in Brighton at the walkabout there on West Street, one of my old stomping grounds. Um, then we have uh, other parties uh, up north and around about in Cardiff. 
um, a shooter sports bar there near the Millennium Stadium or what was formerly the Millennium Stadium. Um, we are in Nottingham for the first time. The bar hasn't actually opened yet. It opens on the Friday after we record this podcast. Biggest non-cinema screen in Nottingham at Shooters there. So we're going to be running there. We're really excited about that. Um, we are doing Liverpool. Um, again, it's going to be a great night there. Just found out as we started recording this, actually, that all the tables in Liverpool have now sold out. Tickets are flying. We've already sold more tickets there than we did for the Royal Rumble, so that's going to be a big, big night. Um, and then we've got our old northern stomping grounds of Leeds and Manchester, um, both of those being shooter sports bars as well. Excellent stuff. We're hoping as many of you uh, listening to this podcast will get along and join us at at least one of the venues. Um, and we want to hear your feedback. Tell us where you're going. Tell us what you where, what you like about both the podcast and the shows itself. Um, and you can do that, best of all, via our social media channels, Paul. We've got facebook.com forward slash HO Wrestling or Twitter, which is HO underscore wrestling. And you know what? I would like to see more than uh, more than anything else at these upcoming WrestleMania parties. Send us your photos, guys. Send us your photos, your videos. And we had a few come in for last time, but uh, precious little, I think, given that... Uh, we are, are we not, for the most part, um, the social media generation. The phones come out and uh, things get videoed and pictures get taken. It's part of enjoying ourselves these days. And we're happy for you to do that at our shows. We're not uh, going to tell you to stop videoing, to stop taking pictures. Do you know what? We want you to share it with us. So if you come along to one of the shows, it's a particularly great uh, outfit of someone or you want to take a picture with them or just illustrate what a great time everyone's having, do it. Send it to us. We'll share it on Facebook and Twitter. We want to tell the world how fun the uh, the Hooked On events parties are. More of that later on because we want to talk to um, uh, to Dave about uh, how he's going to treat uh, the Birmingham show with his uh, his unique um, his unique style. But uh, before we uh, before we bring Dave onto the show, Paul, I want to ask you about some developments um, in British wrestling and and WWE in the UK. Uh, this week because um, mm. there's been a couple of announcements this week which mean that the month of May if anyone's I, I assume that most people have seen this but I don't want to be too patronising but if you haven't just very quickly just run us down that the month of May is going to be unique in terms of WWE in the UK yeah it's going to be um, quite comfortably the highest number of shows WWE have ever done in a calendar month in the UK and we've got three brands essentially well four really if you count Raw and Smackdown as two brands so we've got um First of all, as we've long known, you've got the lo- the main roster tour with the Raw and SmackDown tapings at the O2 and then the shows of- around the country. Then this week we had uh, the announcement that the WWE UK Championship show with guest stars from 205 Live are going to be doing two shows in Norwich back to back on the 6th and the 7th. Um, and then for me, most excitingly today, uh, Wednesday, we got the announcement that NXT is coming back for the UK. Now, it's kind of becoming an annual tradition um, that they run this tour in June because they end up at the Download Festival. Um, so they start, they're starting up at, in Aberdeen, up in the far, far north, um, working their way down through Manchester, Leeds, down to Brighton, um, and then ended up at Download um, on the weekend where they're going to be doing the Friday, Saturday and Sunday shows. So, you know, you take those as three separate shows and that's seven NXT shows alone um in may plus two uh uk championships and i I don't really know to be honest off the top of my head how many main roster uh, cards are maybe 12 is usually about the right number um so in essence it's gonna be over 20 wwe shows in the uk that month incredible i see i think you and i up getting to about i don't know 10 or 11 of them 
<laughs> well, I'm I'm planning. I've I've got um, plans to go to the main roster show in Sheffield. Um, I'm going to go to the NXT events in Manchester in Leeds, and I've been invited to the Download Festival, so I'm going to go there. Um, and I, yeah, and I, I was going to go to the UK Championship tournament, but much to my chagrin, it falls on the same weekend that you and I have got our Grimsby date penciled in. And I am very, very loath to change that. So we'll be in Grimsby for that weekend. Oh, yes, it's Grim- Grimsby Town versus Plymouth Argyle, final game of the uh, Skybet League 2 season. Uh, my job means that I work for Plymouth Argyle and travel the country to these games. It just so happens that I'd probably be going anyway as a supporter if I wasn't working for the club. And yes, Paul is a Grimsby fan, so we, uh, we have known each other about uh, eight or nine years now, but our two teams have never played uh, at a time where we've been able to go and watch it together. So uh, that's the plan, but it is the last game of the season, and if we're uh, getting promoted or having a championship party on that uh, that day mate you're blown out so uh, we'll uh, we'll see how we go <laughs> I, will, I will let you go to the uh, wwe uk championship if uh, if i'm if i'm going out with the lads after a championship win but that's uh, that's quite another thing in, entirely we will not fall out over it um it is exciting that there's so much going on over here and i want to say that um this is not necessarily uh, a dig at certain people in the uh, in the British wrestling community because I think it's as successful and it's as together and it's as prosperous as it's ever been. But I don't think this should be viewed as WWE trying to kill the UK market, trying to saturate it. I think it helps. I think they are going to involve more and more people um, for their UK shows. Um, we've seen how many are involved on things like 205 Live. We just saw Neville wrestle Jack Gallagher in a, on a pay-per-view. Um, there's a very, ch- very good chance that Neville is going to be in a pretty decent match at WrestleMania. Might be on the pre-show, but still, you know, a, an Englishman, a Briton, is going to represent, you know, that, that division in a great match at, uh, at the WrestleMania. So, I think there's a lot of good going on, and the fact that they value the brand, not the brand, they value, they value the territory of the UK enough to come over and spend so much time here to involve so many of our wrestlers. This is the thing. It's not like they're just coming over and just flooding it with their WWE talent of course they will have them for the um for the wwe shows the nxt shows but they are involving our wrestlers they are getting more and more name value and wwe are working with some of our um leading independent wrestling groups you know we saw um name checked and involved heavily even with their footage on on the wwe uk tournament that they had in blackpool uh, last year or early this year was it um so i think it's absolutely superb that that they're coming over and uh I think it will help everyone in the long term. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, I think obviously um, when you're talking about guys' livelihoods at stake, then um, you've got a there's, there's going to be two sides to every coin. And WWE coming over and running shows, you know, the fact of the matter is, it's wrestling fans have only got a finite number of um, shows they can attend because you know nobody's got unlimited cash, um, apart from Richie Pemberton. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, so um you know there's that to consider but having said that i'm a big believer that a rising tide raises all ships um and if this is going to be something that ensures those promoters up and down the country have to increase uh the the star power on their shows have to um up their game then i think everyone's going to win like you say in the long run um there's you know the, the scene is so buoyant now as 
Doug Williams and Dean Ayers were talking about in the last couple of weeks that there's so there's there's a lot of room here um, and there's a lot of different tastes to be catered for. Um, you know what WWE are going to offer at the O2 Arena is very, very different to what a company like ICW are going to offer or Progress are going to offer or Rev Pro or any others NGW any of those we could name check. Um, and I just think is, is as long as promoters can make keep their shows quality and most importantly carve out those niches for themselves, um, then I think the future is bright for them. I tend to agree, and we'll we'll bring this topic up when uh, when we bring Dave Mastiff onto the show later on and just uh, get his take on that. All of those companies that you mentioned, I think he's represented it at various times, pretty much currently. Um, so he's still indeed very active uh, on that front. So it would be good to hear from him on some of those matters. Um, also coming up later on in the podcast um, involving Dave, we will be doing our latest edition of what we call WrestleMania Impossible. Um, it involves creating our WrestleMania mixtape. We will explain the rules of that later on, both uh, to you, the listener, and indeed to Dave, and just update on everyone and where we are on that. Um, but using the rules of that for what it is very quickly um, if you haven't heard so far we go through each Wrestlemania Paul is watching all the Wrestlemanias from start to finish we'll, again we'll explain later um, but uh, and we, we are between us and we'll work out a, we work out a way of picking one match per Wrestlemania to get on the mixtape here's a question for you Paul if I could give you one match now from Wrestlemania 33 which admittedly hasn't taken place yet if I could give you one match that you think is the likely one to go on that mixtape what do you think it would be Bloody good question. Um... <laughs> a question I perhaps should have primed you for before we went on air. Judged <laughs> by your reaction. In all, in, in all honesty, um, there are quite a few that, that you could pick from at this stage. And it is hard to say in times. But I think you'd really have to plump for um, Undertaker against Roman Reigns at this stage, just on paper. You know, the, you know, like or love Roman Reigns he's the guy that WWE wants to be their flag bearer going forward um, he's the phenom for the want of a better word the big dog Taker coming towards the end of his career could well be his last Wrestlemania um, it's going to be a great match Roman Reigns as you've constantly said quite rightly so is is amongst the very best in terms of big match performances in WWE Taker's no slouch even, is, even at 51 years old um on paper, that has to be the one for me when you take match quality, significance, place on the card into account. But there's probably four or five that could challenge it on the night when we look back in hindsight. I rather like how you said that I constantly mention it because you both you both indicated that you agree with me and indicated that I probably talk about it too much. So that was a, a good way of conveying two emotions in the same sentence there. So well played on that front. Um I think we could be including that match on the uh, on the mixtape as the, one of the two times that Undertaker lost at WrestleMania. That's what I'm going to say. I think Roman Reigns is going to win. And uh, we will see how that uh, affects things on the way forward and whether or not that um, uh, it means that they will... <laughs> It will be the old heel turn, but I think we have done that to death in terms of, uh, in terms of Roman Reigns. Here's a match that I think um, is, it's possible that we'll go on the mixtape if we were to revisit it in, uh, in nine or ten years. I think... Kevin Owens versus Chris Jericho um, for a couple of reasons. One is I'm just not convinced how long Jericho is going to be around for. Um, I hope he's around for a bit longer because he's still doing some sterling work. He can still go. But Jericho, I get the feeling, would be the kind of person that would go out on top a little bit. So it wouldn't shock me for Jericho to wrap it in in the next year or two um, 
just so I think he would want to go out not as a shell, not as someone that's you know struggling to get around. He is in terrific shape. He's in his late forties, I think, mid to late forties, but he's still going brilliantly, and he's still got a greater act. I still I still think he could offer a lot to WWE. Perhaps he's a, a GM character or something down the line. But there's just a sneaking suspicion in my mind that this could be Jericho's last WrestleMania, or at least his last big time WrestleMania match with a very very good opponent. It's just a hunch. It might not be true. And I think Owens is terrific. I think the two of them genuinely do get on well. It's not just, I mean, obviously the best friends thing is an angle, but I think that they, they are good friends. I can see them having been meeting and conspiring over the last few weeks and trying to build an absolute classic. I just get the feeling that it's going to be the best match of the night. It could be Owens's kind of, you know, it's, it's the match that makes him as much as the, the, the um, John Cena debut and all that kind of thing, you know, and, and his own talent has put him onto the top of the card. I just get the feeling that this may be the the coming of age of Kevin Owens and the last hurrah of Chris Jericho, and that down the line, maybe not in three weeks' time, but down the line, this could be really looked at as a, not only a classic but a you know a real pivotal moment. Oh mate, I don't think there's um, I don't think there's anybody that would peg any other match for a match of the night at this stage. If you're putting your mortgage money on it, that's the one you go for. Um, I really hope you're wrong about this being Jericho's last WrestleMania. I've arguably never enjoyed him as much ever as I have done over the last year. Um, and I hope that just carries on. And if obviously he's going to take a break at some point, but if this is the last time we see him in any sort of proper run, that'd be a real disappointment. It would. Um, but I think he has given, you know, so much. We're going to be talking uh, about WrestleManias 15, 16, 17, and 18 later on in the WrestleMania mixtape, and uh, Jericho appears during that time, and it's the, it's where he starts to. It was um, I think WrestleMania 16, which is WrestleMania 2000, billed as I think was his first one, um, and he's not wrestled on every single one, but that is, you know, 17 WrestleManias ago. So Jericho has been part of the story of WrestleMania for more than half of its existence. Think about that. That's a long, long time to be around. Like I say, he's probably missed quite a few in between. I don't have his record in front of me. But I'm sure he's well into double figures in terms of the ones he's appeared on. Um, and I'm sure... And I think he's had some good WrestleMania matches, but I think he'd really like to have a another you know, final classic. If he needed his final one, I'm not, I'm not saying I want it. Goodness me, no. I'd love, it to be, I'd love him to still be around um, next year and, and working as well as he is, especially if it's, if it's so engaging. But I'm just saying that that's a, it's a hunch of mine that it's a, it might go that way. Um, another... WrestleMania little poser for you. Um, do you think... I don't want to be too negative, but do, what do you think might be the the forgotten match as far as WWE's booking is going? Because there is there is not going to be room for all of these to be 30-minute um, classics drawn out with long entrances. A couple of matches are going to have to suffer, or we are, and it's going to be six and a half bloody hours. So um, what do you think they might go... Mm, good match but not great give it 12 minutes and get the hell out well one match springs to mind and and i hate to say it but i think it's going to be um neville against austin aries um it's on paper that could easily be the match of the night hell it could be the match of the year um based on how good how well those two work together how nicely the fuse been built so far and and the stage that they'll both be wrestling on and how awesome is it by the way you know we've both seen austin aries live in front of these small crowds where he came to the uk both for indie shows and for tna and now you know he's going to be in front of what is it seventy eight thousand people at wrestlemania incredible 
um, point is, I think that's, you know, if that makes the main card at all, I'd be fairly surprised. I think it's more likely to be on the pre-show. Um, but to me, that's the one that's going to get shafted unfairly. Like you say, not every match can be the main event. Not every match can be spotlighted. And there's a lot to get through. I think it's going to be 13 or 14 matches. Um, that's going to be the big, the big heart-wrenching one. Um, I think, you know, you're going to see... Um, the, the Smackdown women's match there's going to be a few let's face it there's going to be the, the lower card match title matches you're all going to get short shrift um, really but yeah the Neville Aries one's the one that's going to be really disappointing having said that you know the main event being Goldberg Lesnar the very 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 good chance that's going less than five minutes so there probably is more time than a traditional 13 match card so we might things might get to breathe that little bit more um I have the uh, the wonderful Wikipedia up in front of me on the uh, the WrestleMania 33 page, um, and it, it currently lists 11 matches. Um, there's one or two more that uh, that jump into my brain immediately that haven't been added to this. But let's have a very quick rundown um, of what they have in the, in this is the order they have it. Um, it seems to be order of import from the top, but um, but, but then yep. some uh, later additions down the bottom. So this is what they have. Um, Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar Undertaker Roman Reigns Jericho Owens Cena and Nikki Bella versus Miz and Maurice Bailey versus Charlotte versus Sasha uh, Alexa versus Mickey versus Becky versus Natalia versus Carmella versus others uh, Neville versus Austin Aries Gallows and Anderson versus Amore and Cass versus Cesaro and Sheamus Triple Threat Tag the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal and AJ Styles versus Shane McMahon um, the first one that jumps into my brain that's been missed off is any potential uh, match for Triple H slash um, Seth Rollins slash Samoa Joe, which they seem to still be keeping their options open on. Um, and it just strikes me that them, there, are, there, is no, um, there is no Ambrose and Corbin in there. Um, am I, being, I haven't seen SmackDown this week, so um, perhaps they added them to the, the Battle Royal and they're going to go with the story that maybe Corbin can win it two years on the trot. But um, surely that's going to be a Mania match, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be a mania match. It's not been officially announced yet as a SmackDown, but you, you bang on two of those. Um, and I think the third one is going to be some form of SmackDown tag team title match. Um, but some of those matches are going to be on a pre-show, like I mentioned. You know, The other thing to think about, is there going to be a, a second cruiserweight match, some sort of multi-man match? Um, maybe, maybe. Um but, you know, there's going to be a few, like, you know, the SmackDown tag team title match. You've got to peg that for the pre-show straight away. Um, I'd be tempted to say the same with um, Corbin Ambrose. You know, you look at it. I know you're not the biggest UFC fan, uh, Rob. But, um, and this is not something we've discussed before, but UFC have slightly changed their model in the last couple of years. You know, they have the main card and they have the prelims. Um, the prelims previously having never been shown on TV they were just for the arena audience you know dark matches if you will um, but now they're shown on TV they're shown on F um, Fox Sports in the States and BT here and whatnot. so they're almost treated like little cards in their own right so you get matches on that pre-show now of the quality and standard that would have normally pegged them well into the middle of the, the main card if not near the top but now they put a match on that pre preliminary almost as a headliner for the prelims if that makes sense uh, yeah so and I, I just see WWE starting to go the same way with their free for all uh, their um, pre-show matches and to me Corbin Ambrose strikes me as a fantastic main event of the pre-show yeah I mean I think it's worth looking no one ever grew up wanting to be on the Wrestlemania pre-show you know you want to be headlining you want to be in a pivotal match but 
Um, first and foremost, it's better to do that than to never get there at all. Um, but secondly, yep. you're right. Models are changing in terms of um, how things are uh, delivered and promised and, and how viewers are, are sucked in. Um, I'm not certain about the value of the pre-show in terms of selling an event in the current um, in your current model of the of the network as opposed to buying a one-off pay-per-view. But I still suspect there are some people that might you know be able to watch the pre-show and then say, oh, you know, sod it, I'll, I'll sign up for the free trial or or whatever it might be. So I think it's um, I think it's still valid. And certainly when I hear um, you know, oh, it's so sad for so and so that they had to jerk the curtain and go on first, and it's like. You talk to almost anyone that's ever promoted a wrestling show. Not everyone, because not everyone has the same opinions. But most people I know that would promote a wrestling show will tell you that the opening match might be the second most important one of the night. Because you've got to go out and set a tone. And if you have a really you know, a boring match that no one's really into because of the storyline or it's too slow plodders or whatever it might be, then no one's getting into your show. You need to go out there and set a tone. Now, um, I think... TNA probably overdid it with the let's always chuck the X Division multi man out there just to, you know, jump in that stupid red cone or whatever they had on the top of the ring. Um, I think sometimes they went too far with it, but generally speaking, I think it's a good place to put um, a solid match like a, uh, an intercontinental title or, or in this case, the Cruiserweights. I actually think I mentioned earlier on that Aries and, and Neville might be pegged for the pre-show and it wouldn't shock me um, especially if it's some, some casual fans that aren't used to wrestling these days that see two guys you know, putting on a real classic in terms of athleticism, it might say, well, I'll watch the rest of this then. But I can actually see it being the opening match of the night. I can see it being a real a real tone setter. Because we're going to start, don't forget, almost certainly with New Day. I don't think it'll... It won't go, you won't go, welcome to WrestleMania, here's a match. It'll be, welcome to no. WrestleMania, here's America the Beautiful, it's a New Day, yes it is. And they're going to come out and do a bit. I think that's how it's going to begin. Um, so the opening of the show will be a little bit like Monday Night Raw. It'll always be a little talky bit. And then we'll bring out the wrestler. So there's almost a, a, a different... They won't, they won't have to come out roaring with the match, but it'll be the first match you know, of the main card. So I think it'll have to be a good one. So I can see them going with it as the first one. Because actually, looking down the card, I don't see too many of those types of matches. It's quite difficult to start this show off because some of the other ones are going to be treated with... You know, so much importance. I, I don't really see what else can start off. Well, I, 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 I tend to disagree there. Actually, looking at the card, I see two potentials, um, and I'm basing it on. And it's a bit shallow, but what music is going to pop the crowd straight away? That's and straight shallow. away, that's I see shallow. that's smart. That, it's, that's a smart thing. Yeah, it is. It is. Straight away, I see. I see the women's triple threat match on Raw with Bailey. Um, or Sasha Banks either or being the first one out um, and similarly the um, the Raw tag team title match with Enzo and Cass coming out to start the pay-per-view they've been in that spot a few times I remember last year at SummerSlam they were in that spot as the first guys out um, the, uh, facing Owens and Jericho uh, and it set the tone fantastically for the night and I would would not be remotely surprised to see them do the same again here that match is most likely I think that's a good shout um, not, I don't think they'll the three-way, I think that will be deep into the show. I think they'll give that some... Um, you, you can all argue, likely, you can all argue like. and, you know, until the cows come home about how they've treated the angle and how the characters have you know, been a bit blurred in terms of their you know, heel and babyface status, if we can use those terms. But um, I do think they see that as being an important thing now. And I, I think that will be treated with some importance and will be a little bit uh, uh, further down the line. Um, 
I've realised that uh, I missed a bit of a trick in terms of something I should have talked about earlier on uh, in terms of WWE in the UK with all of their brands, but we can nicely link it into WrestleMania weekend because um, we've talked about we've talked with some of our guests who are going out to WrestleMania, such as uh, Jay and Cat and Steve Linsky and uh, and our friend Vic, who's not been on the podcast, but is off uh, out to WrestleMania this year, so we're going to have him as a bit of a roving reporter and report back to us um, afterwards. Um, they go out there to enjoy the weekend. It's not just WrestleMania, but it's the the venue. Um, in Chain Cat's case, it's their their, their nuptials. Um, but there's the Hall of Fame, and there's uh, NXT, and there's the all other indie shows that are going on all around it. But the Monday night after WrestleMania, and indeed maybe this year the Tuesday, because obviously SmackDown Live, um, one gets the feeling that that will still be full of WrestleMania revelers. Um, I've kind of I've kind of softened a little bit on the uh, on the crowd. I think that. Uh, that was a fun thing a couple of years ago. Now, it's a little bit over the top and a little bit in business for themselves. But what is a fact, and has been for a very long time, even before the, the crowd became a, a big issue, is the night after WrestleMania, there tends to be um, something big happens. And years and years ago, um, Mankind debuted the, uh, the night after WrestleMania back in 96. So it's been happening for a long time. But the uh, WrestleMania that I went to at 25, we went to Raw the following night and Batista came back after a long time out. Um, we've also seen big stories such as um, that's when Dolph Ziggler finally cashed in Money in the Bank. It's when Brock Lesnar came back. You know, there's been all sorts of those sorts of stories um, that we've seen on the Monday following WrestleMania. So, um, what that links me into with WWE in the UK is that um, I don't like to get too much into these little details, but we saw the poster promoting NXT in the UK, and Bobby Roode's on there, and Asuka's on there, and I think uh, Cassius Ono, the former Chris Hero, is on there, and a few others. But Paul. There were some notable omission, omissions, and I think we both saw uh, the same lack of faces. We did. Very, very interesting lack of face as well. Um, for starters, no Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, and no mention in any of the advertising for that either. Um, I think I think it's a given that he's coming off the mania, isn't it? You know, this guy is someone who, if you believe the um, you believe the grapevine, he was supposed to be in NXT just for a short while to acclimatise. But they've had him there as an attraction as the brand's evolved into more of a touring brand, and he's been there a year now to be that star. He's too long into his career and too big a star to be on the next. I don't want to say stuck because that's way, way the wrong word, but he doesn't want to be there busting his guts in front of a smaller audience for very much longer. And I think it's a case of now you either sink or swim because he's not going to be cheap either. They're going to be paying him a fair old whack um, to be in that company. So uh, it's the time for Nakamura is what I'm saying. And I think we can probably be fair to say we can all agree on on, on his time is very imminent and the UK posters a slight giveaway the other two acts not on there um, two tag team acts DIY and The Revival um, now in my opinion and it's just an opinion I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought we'd get both of those called up straight away after Mania they may just be hedging their bets and haven't decided which one's coming up yet so they've left them both off um, or we could see one on Raw, one on SmackDown. I'm not sure. Um, but I've got this lovely idea and lovely thought of a stable. Um, Triple H running this stable. It's already The genesis of, genesis of it's already started with um, Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens. And what if the Revival joined that stable? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I don't know if I get the vibe of the Revival being exactly the same as, uh, as those two. I'm not sure that fits. I'm not sure they're into stables these days. 
So I'm a bit I'm a bit cold yeah, on that I, idea because of that. I don't. I'm not saying I, I think, like it, but I'm saying I don't see them doing it. Again, you believe the insider nonsense you get. Well, actually, it's not, it's not so much nonsense. I've heard it from Bruce Pritchard on his podcast that Vince just doesn't like stables. Vince McMahon is not a stables guy, and the evidence is that is is there over the course of time. Triple H is. You know, Triple H has had a lot of success in stables. Um, already the rough alliance is there, and to me, the, the revival fit that. You know, they're already compared to Blanchard and Anderson, aren't they, um, as a tag team. So having them in their, their sort of horseman-like spots in that stable, just it feels a bit too neat to ignore for me. Um, I really like the idea of it. I'm not going to talk you out of it. Um, what I am going to say to anyone listening is that uh, Paul, during that little speech there, um, at one point said that Vince McMahon is not a stables guy. Um, he put a plural in there, which he meant that Vince McMahon doesn't like the idea of stables or factions. He did not say Vince McMahon is not a stable guy. We like you, WWE. Please do not sue us. And please let us carry on. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I just think, um, I think for, again, for those that don't follow NXT, because there are people out there, we shouldn't just assume everyone knows everything. Um, DIY, um, you know, is a team that kind of, we say got thrown together because I think they were wrestling each other more than uh, than teaming, were they not? Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. Um, they were, but they've they've always they were always felt tied together to me. Now I'm not too familiar with them, but yeah, they always felt like they were revolving around each other yes, in some way. I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I I, I like a I like a, a tag name. I like it when they've got an. I don't really understand what DIY means in that context, but. Um, I like it. I like a name rather than just being called Gargano, Gargano and Ciampa. Then that doesn't mean you can't always uh, be successful like that. You've just mentioned Tully and Arn. They never really had a, a, a tag name other than you know being two of the Horsemen, and it, it worked okay for them. But um, they were they were the brainbusters in, brain in WWE. But I don't think anyone will indicate that that's their you know um, glory period. No, so of course. I would, you know, I'm talking about really when they were, you know, affiliated with the N- NWA. No one ever really. Well, you, you didn't say the Brainbusters, did you? You said you said Tully and Arn, or you said Anderson. And, Anderson. And I did. Yeah. No, I'm being facetious. Definitely Tully and Arn. Um, but the, the point is, is that both um, DIY and the Revival um, have had absolutely tremendous wrestling matches with each other and with others uh, on NXT. And for my money, um, I like them because they're so believable. As a unit, as wrestlers, um, you know they really go in. They really subscribe to the um, making it look like a, a contest that you are desperate to win or you are desperate to avoid defeat, and that you care so much about it. And I do genuinely think, you know, that is where the money lies. I think, you know, there is a little bit too much reliance on let's put smiles on faces. Well, I'm I'm absolutely cool with that as a general concept. Goodness me, we take things too seriously sometimes. Um, I do like watching something and just getting into the um, into the match itself and so much of what we're talking about on the Wrestlemania mixtape we're talking about matches like, like what we put in on last time's podcast Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin you know have you ever seen more of a, a match where it mattered so much you know to Bret to beat Austin and Austin fought so hard to try and stay in it and he wouldn't tap and well, I don't know if they were even doing tapping those days but he wouldn't submit and 
it just it meant so much to both of those characters that you couldn't help it. That's why you're invested in that match. Not because it was fun, nor because you were watching some guys flip about, but because you cared one way or another. You either wanted, you know, the stuffy Bret Hart that had been around too long and was now a whiner out of the way, or you wanted your Canadian hero to hang on to the belt. Well, it wasn't the title match, but hang on to his, his legacy and knock off this brash upstart Austin. Whatever your, you know, opinion was, whether you were getting into the characters or whether you were watching it from a little bit more withdrawn... You know, that's what draws us in, I think. I think it's those characters and wanting them to win. And um, if, I, if anything about this year's WrestleMania that I'm down on, I'm not convinced there's all that many of those matches. I'm not convinced there's any match that I look at and go, goodness me, I would just love to see so-and-so win. I don't think people are really clamouring to see Orton beat Wyatt or Lesnar to get his revenge or... Um, Jer- Jericho to be Owens maybe but people like Owens too much and AJ and Shane is meant to be Shane's meant to be the you know the hero but he's not going to be and I think there's so many of those matches and they've already done the Bailey thing this is just the thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the podcast is that Bailey's the champ you know this you felt was going to be the time where you know Bailey was going to fight from underneath and finally get her win um, I suggest that that's the biggest indicator that she's not going to win at WrestleMania because I think they would have done the big win if if they were sticking with her. Um, so I, that's probably a, a slight down. Is that a couple of years ago, however they got there, Daniel Bryan beating Triple H and then Daniel Bryan winning the triple threat to become the champion, it felt like every single person in the venue cared about who won that match. And the same for Rock and Cena when they did those matches. All right, there might not have been a title involved, but it felt like everyone picked a side. I think the only match that I can see people really getting like that this year is Undertaker versus Reigns, and I'm not certain that's really what they're going for. So that's maybe a sticking point. Am I being harsh? No, unfortunately, mate, I think you're um, you're kind of on the money there. Um, and it is a symptom of modern-day WrestleMania, really, isn't it? Um, WrestleMania used to be about those crowning moments. Um, you know, my favourite ever WrestleMania moment as a fan was the, and again, don't like to bring the guy's name up too much, I know it's a, a raw subject for some people still, but the main event of WrestleMania 20 um, with Triple H, Shawn Michaels and Chris Benoit in the triple threat match I was 22 years old at the time and I was sat on the edge of my seat screaming, sorry, sitting screaming literally at my TV tap you bitch tap you bitch tap you bitch when Triple H was in a crossface and I meant it there was no irony there was no sort of drunken idiocy I was as desperate for Chris Benoit to make him tap out as I was for England to score a winning goal in um, in a World Cup knockout match literally and and the moment that he, Triple H started tapping I the elation just it, it was as if England scored the winning goal in the World Cup final I don't think I could celebrate anymore um, and that was such a real moment and it, it just doesn't work like that WrestleMania much a showcase um, and there's no you know last year was similar um, no real and, and you're right WrestleMania 30 is probably the last moment uh, last time that it was really really mattered with Daniel Bryan alright when Seth Rollins were up one at the end of 31 that was similar but wasn't as anticipated because it was over so quickly um, but I, I don't really see much of it this year Taker yes people will be desperate for him to beat Reigns uh, again you're right on the Owens Jericho thing but even so people like Owens still Um I don't really see too many more matches where it's going to elicit that raw emotion. So, 
Um, yeah, I think, unfortunately, we're, we're going to be passing on that this year. Flash forward to the weekend of May the 6th and 7th in Norwich. Uh, hi, uh, Hunter, this is um, this is Paul Benson. He works for uh, Hooked on Wrestling. Hey, Paul, how's it going? Nice to meet you. I'm Paul, too. Oh, yeah, of course you are, yeah. Uh, didn't think you could make it. No, no, I was going to be... Uh, at the football with my mate, but he uh, blew me out because they've uh, they've got promoted, so I've come here as well. Oh, that's cool. Thanks for coming. Um, have you listened to my podcast? Yeah, I have actually. I heard it once. Um, I heard you say you you were shouting at me, "Tap you, bitch!" <laughs> Spits water, etc. Um, <laughs> looking forward to that scenario. Once again, anyone that's going to that, please film it, and uh, I'll put that on the uh, Hooked on Wrestling uh, Facebook page. Uh, is there Triple H? And, and, and all I'll say to the, the conclusion for that imaginary conversation, can you imagine as as a heel a bigger compliment than that? Good point. Um, I've also just been told in my ear the, uh, the hooked on lawyer has also just asked me to make another point. Um, can I just clarify in that last thing that I said, um, I suggested that Triple H um, may get a strop on. Let's just be clear about what I said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on that ridiculously sordid note uh, we're going to wrap up this uh, particular section uh, of the podcast but uh, coming up after this uh, this short musical interlude uh, we are going to be bringing on to the show Dave Mastiff so stay tuned for Dave Mastiff and for Wrestlemania Impossible Welcome back everyone and during that break we have made a very important addition to the podcast joining me and Paul now is one of the top men on the British wrestling circuit. It is Dave Mastiff. Dave, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you very much. Good evening, everyone, or good morning, depending on when you're listening to See, this. you've got that straight away. It's taken me weeks to educate Paul Benson about that. He comes on, he says, good evening, and I have to explain. People listen to podcasts of different types today. That's why, sir, you're a performer, and why I'm having to teach this amateur that's on the other end of the line. I'm not he always, sure, Paul, you're going to pick it up, mate. He always tells me off for that, Dave. I think he must be terrified of you. Well, I, I kind of have a natural air, but, you know, that does intimidate people, even though we are probably hundreds of miles apart right now, so it's quite a strange one, intimidating someone down the phone. <laughs> it's, uh, it still works a little bit, I have to say. Um, thank you ever so much for joining us. Um, there's uh, lots of things that we're going to get through, including uh, welcoming you onto the onto the Hooked On team. Um, but first of all, uh, I did note that uh, over the weekend, a uh, little bit of an injury scare. But um, I think it's good news on that front, is it? You're not as uh, you're not as bad as maybe first feared. No, no. Um, at ICW uh, in Leeds, I gave Joe Coffey a back body drop, and I, I it felt. Like uh, my hamstring, my left hamstring, it felt like it had snapped or torn. Um, but I just uh, carried on and soldiered on. And uh, I saw the, the suplex physio yesterday in Reese the next day, and uh, he assessed it fully. And it was it just flared up bad at the time, but uh, I'll be fully healed within about 10 to 12 days now. And uh, I won't be missing any dates uh, or any matches because of it. So. I got away quite lucky. That's uh, fantastic news. Yeah, you no one wants uh, any sort of injury. So uh, well done for getting through, and uh, glad for all of the fans that have uh, bought tickets that they're not going to be missing uh, any of your stuff. Um, that includes us. Now we're not going to be asking you to uh, work and take bumps in in Birmingham on uh, on WrestleMania evening, but you are joining us to be our host um, at our WrestleMania party in Shooters in Birmingham. Um, welcome to the How Team, sir. Uh, very excited about that. Thank you very much. It's a uh... It's something a little bit different to what I'm used to doing, but uh, I think it'll be a, a real fun time, and you know, hopefully uh, there'll be plenty of people in, and 
they they can witness and be part of my uh, unique and perhaps somewhat twisted sense of humour on the night. We were uh, <laughs> certainly looking forward to that. Um, Paul, you're the person that puts together all the uh, all the parties and all the hosts and that kind of thing. Um, kudos on, on getting Dave on board. What's he gonna What's he gonna bring to us? Well, you know, I've been a, a big fan of Dave's for as long as I've been watching British wrestling, really, or paying close attention to it. Um, and, you know, wouldn't have thought in a million years that we'd be uh, able to get someone of that calibre to host the event. So when we reached out to Dave and he said he was interested in doing it, I was absolutely delighted. Um, it's going to be a really different spin, I think. You know, seeing Dave in the ring and seeing his personality, um, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be boisterous. It's going to be a loud atmosphere. And I think it's going to be, you know, you're the guy to keep that in check and keep the atmosphere going. So I won't be in Birmingham, unfortunately. I'll be in London, but I'm I'm quite jealous because I'd like to see, I'd like to see how it's done. I think you're going to do a cracking job, mate. Well, fingers crossed it's uh, not going to be the first and last. So <laughs> Agreed, agreed. Indeed. Um, in terms of the, the show itself, um, WrestleMania only a, a couple of weeks away, Um we talked with a little bit with Doug Williams a couple of weeks ago when he was uh, on the podcast and asked a similar question. Let me put it to you. Um, is watching a WrestleMania these days a, a different um, a different event for you? Um, having been, you know, you've been wrestling for you know 15 years or so. Um, does it change your opinion of how you watch something? Can you watch it as a fan, or are you a little bit more, um, you know, studying the matches? How do you approach it? Uh, it's the the one show. In the, in the wrestling calendar every year where people yeah, everyone wants to be a part of it and it's it's the biggest wrestling celebration around the world really and no matter how much you want to study individual matches or things like that you will always you will always want to watch it for the for the general excitement that it creates and the buzz that it creates there will be times when watching it I'll see something happening in the ring and I'll be able to appreciate it perhaps differently to other people uh, and even different matches. Uh, other other professionals will watch a different match and they'll appreciate something different about that than I will appreciate. It just depends what connects with you naturally, I suppose. But for myself, uh, watching it, especially over recent years, to me it's just uh, a chance to, to kind of see what kind of occasion it is and how how big it's going to get and how much pageantry there's going to be and that that's to me that's the the real exciting part the the production because to put something like that together just takes a monumental effort from everyone involved and it's yeah, and everybody and they go the extra mile and that's that's the exciting thing to see i think when you when you strip it back wrestling is essentially you know two guys wrestling each other in front of a crowd but when you put everything else around it the lighting the entrances the uh, costumes the atmosphere the the stadium that's what makes a wrestling event so special and they go year upon year trying to make it even more special and even grander and that's the i think that's the the exciting part for me these days because i can I can enjoy any wrestling match on any card anywhere in the world, but to see the production uh, is something that never gets old, really, because they're always trying to improve it and make it even larger and grandiose. 
I feel that um, I might be wrong in this. I might be looking into it too much, but I feel there's been a bit of a change over the last few years in terms of. I used to feel that people, if you weren't wrestling for WWE, and whether that was on the British circuit or in TNA or in you know in the old days in WCW or wherever, it felt like people would make a point of going, "No, I don't watch it. No, no, no," as if it was a bit of a. You know, I don't like using this phrase, but a bit of a Marx thing to do. It feels that that's not the same now. It feels like people mm. accept that WWE is the big dance, and if you can't watch WrestleMania, you know, whether you're a fan, a performer, whatever it may be, it feels like that is the big event. And not, I'm not saying you sit there and study and, and make notes or anything, because you know you're obviously very talented in your own right. But it feels to me that like if you're not watching it, you know, then you're, you're kind of almost being willfully ignorant. I don't want to push that too far, but you see what I'm saying? Um. Oh. Uh- I agree with that to some extent. I think for the most part, everyone involved, well, for the last 15 years and I've been involved in wrestling, um, people have watched the show regardless of of that, whether they've been quite so uh, forthcoming in telling people that they're watching is is a different matter. Whereas now more people uh, share their views about it and make a big deal of it. And obviously, the you know, you go back 12, 15 years and really WrestleMania weekend was just about WWE and WrestleMania. Whereas WrestleMania weekend now and for the past five or six years in particular has been about wrestling because the independent promotions whether it be in America or within Europe, they've uh, latched on to that train and they've used the momentum that it garners to enhance their product as well. So now everybody wants to be involved in it in some capacity. So just to be around it and, let's face it, while you're there, you're you're going to watch it and... If you're in America for it, per se, like some of the guys will be this year, then they will, you know, no, I don't think anybody's running on Sunday night, are they? On Sunday, April 2nd. I think on the night, I don't no, think any... the afternoon, I think there might be a couple in the build-up, but yeah, not, not against it, I don't think. Exactly, because what are people going to want to do? Are they going to go want to go and watch an independent promotion, or do they want to go to the, the spectacle and party that is WrestleMania? And the same for over in Britain. A lot of years, uh, a lot of the years building up to this, there wouldn't be shows on the well. There wouldn't be a lot of shows on WrestleMania night. But the last few years, people have started putting their shows on on the Sunday night for WrestleMania. And obviously, in the venue, if it's in a nightclub, perhaps they open up the room straight after and they show WrestleMania on the big screen or things like that so it becomes a big uh, a big event and why wouldn't people watch it it's no, no matter what you do if you're a professional footballer i guarantee you you probably watch the champions league final very few of them don't but because that's where everybody wants to be where everyone watches the world cup final and things like that they watch the big events and they want to see them regardless of who they are makes a lot of sense to me i think you're right about um people putting events on um wrestling events on on the actual day of the of the pay-per-views and i guess we're no different i mean that's how we started sort of some four or five years ago doing our hooked on stuff not the fact that we were doing putting on wrestling shows but what we do is to try and lead into the big show itself obviously that's the attraction and um, but we can do some other things to uh, help people along the way but part of what we um our ethos in the first place of putting it together was because of the um 
the sort of the social aspect. There's, there's something fun about being a like-minded group of people um, watching wrestling. You're going to enjoy that in uh, in shooters in Birmingham. But also, it's a great point you make about all the all the shows that are popping up around WrestleMania, wherever it may be in the states, because um, there's such a big collection of wrestling fans that are going to be together at the same time. But also, um, it gives the opportunity for so many people to kind of show their wares. It's almost a little bit like a a conventional expo, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a it's a it's a real it's an occasion, and I think as as an adult, I mean, I've been to. I know usually for me, uh, in the past, I've always kind of uh, hung out with a couple of friends at their house or after show and there's been there's always been a group of us so there's always been five six seven ten of us even and we you know everybody gets get some food in get the beers in whether it's just in someone's house or you know uh, some people are going out to bars and stuff now so it's a real social occasion and people do want to people do want to make the most of it because it's probably the same as the Super Bowl as well in that aspect, you know, with the obviously that starts later on in the evening with the time difference. And nowadays in Britain, I mean, I don't get it at all because I think American football sucks. Um, but <laughs> pe- people go to to bars and stuff after hours to watch the Super Bowl. And it doesn't matter what team they support. They go there and they all go to the Super Bowl party watch it on the screen and they wear the Super Bowl jerseys and the football jerseys and I find that kind of you know most fascinating almost and that's the same with what WrestleMania is you know people are going to go somewhere and they're going to wear the you know a lot of the old fans probably going to wear the retro t-shirts and stuff like that and I know that's what a few of my friends used to they used to find their their oldest wrestling shirt like from when they were 15 you know get like a D-Generation X shirt or something like that and that they'd wear that and it'd be three sizes too small for them or have a hole in the <laughs> armpit and stuff but it was you know, it was the social aspect totally it tends to be the um, yeah we notice there's sort of three levels of dress when it comes to uh, uh, people coming along to the how parties for one um, our we've morphed into me Paul and, and others on the team it's almost by accident we've sort of morphed into wrestling t-shirt on the on the bottom and, the, and a blazer on the top a lot of other people it's as you say it's the uh, it's the retro um, shirt or, or the, uh, the the current favorite shirt um, but also we mm. have our, our fancy dress element as well so uh, people are encouraged to come along it's not a compulsory but we'd love to see as many people come in the uh, in the fancy dress but when it comes to the shirt I'm going to uh, beautifully segue into a, a plug here um, they can wear the Dave Mastiff shirt can they not well, they can, yes. That uh, that would be great to see. You know, if I, if I rock up to shooters in Birmingham and there's hundreds of people there in my T-shirt, I'll be a, an exceptionally happy man. And they can, <laughs> they can get that from suplexapparel.com. Excellent stuff. I put, uh, we promised we were going to mention that at some point. You led us into it beautifully. So it, it is a really good, it is a it really good looking shirt, though, so uh, people can uh, can go out and uh, have a look at that. Um, another another point about this uh, this year's WrestleMania, um, uh, for to pick out one example... Um, I've seen uh, at least one or two of your matches that you've had with uh, with Kevin Owens when he was um, touring around and coming over here. Fantastic matches, um, really mm-hmm. hard hitting, great style. Um, and I've also seen his appreciation for it. I know he enjoyed working with you. Um, so is Kevin one of the one of the guys when you watch WrestleMania that you watch a little bit more closely because um, not only have you worked with him but you've uh, you've got a great dynamic. Um, I, don't, I don't think too much about that kind of stuff. 
um, it kind of I kind of never dwell on what I've done or where I am I kind of think about what I want to do um, and seeing but seeing people like, like Steen and um, Devitt and all these kind of people who I've crossed paths with and wrestled and things like that seeing them there I kind of I kind of take it for for granted almost that uh, that I know them and stuff like that and that they're doing what they do because it just feels like you know a lot of them are so talented that that's where they should be and it's just it, it come it's come as no surprise to me that they're there and you know seeing them on television there and stuff like that it's it just feels feels like that they should be and I don't know probably if I stepped back a little bit then I probably would turn around and think well you know that is quite quite strange to to think that like two or three years ago we you know we were both in this place doing this but now they're doing this here and it probably is strange to see that kind of dynamic but it's uh, it's something I never really think about too much if I'm honest it's just I guess it's, it's quite cool and you know to see to see people who you know you know and some people who I know very well in in fact being successful and you know that's that's all through their hard work Paul and I talked before uh, before you came on about some of the uh, the aspects of WWE running more things over here in the UK. Some people feel that it's uh, um, it's them trying to tread on UK business. We were more of the opinion that um, it's creating as many opportunities as, as anything. Um, how do, how do you view that? Because judging on what you just said there about in terms of people you know moving on and, and getting good opportunities um, stateside, it also feels to me that there could be more opportunities for people in this country um, to wrestle on a more higher profile basis and be that WWE's um, UK Championship, but also things like um, uh, what culture and ICW do in iPay-per-views, um, well, the world of sport tapings on ITV. Um, it feels like there's more of, a, of an interest, whether that's WWE or otherwise, that can only create more interest, more jobs, more money for the guys, more exposure. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing, isn't it? Well, I believe so. And uh, when someone in a in a major position or a major company in any kind of business makes such a strong move into a market. It's for a reason. And uh, in, when it comes to overseas markets for WWE, Great Britain's probably its sex, well, I think it's its biggest market overseas, isn't it? So um, if they're seeing that business is so, so good here, and they're already in such a good position, then they're going to think, well, we can make more of it. So how can we make more of it? Let's do this and let's do that. And, you know, let's put the, uh, re- really put it to the sword. And, you know, and, and, that, and that's, it's a good thing for, for the guys who work here because there are more opportunities and it raises our profiles. And if one company acts, then another company acts and, then another company goes in a different direction to do something else, but it it changes the dynamics within within British wrestling, depending on what certain companies want to do. But it's for me, it's a, it's a positive. I feel that there are more shows now. I think I brought this up with Doug as well when he was on. That um, there's more shows now where companies are not necessarily having to to dredge up someone that WWE let go five years ago 
that's got a, you know, a little bit of name value because people remember him from the Attitude Era, um, but he's a bit ageing. Um, and you need to bring him in to try and sort of pop, pop a gate, as it were, that now you can go, I've got this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy, all British um, you know, stalwarts. They can put on a great show. They can draw a house. And it's working. I'm not saying that imports are unwelcome. Of course they're not, because it's it's part of the dynamic. It's different matches to see. But it feels like we're the draw now, that the Brits are the draw now. We don't need to rely on imports. Is that fair? Uh, absolutely, I, I would say. Um, depending on, obviously, the kind of uh, gate that you want to draw. If, you, if, you, if you're looking to draw 5,000 people, then you might have to start thinking about some other form of... Uh, wrestler whether that's an import or someone from the past or something like that but when you're looking at the the kind of I don't know uh, 500 to 2,000 people kind of uh, kind of area that a lot of British shows are able to do these days and 500 people in a show in Britain these days is relatively simple to do it seems um, so those kind of numbers that you're talking about drawing can be done with the British guys quite easily, and, and that is because there's a the talent is a lot lot better than it was, uh, and it's you know well oh, I'm not going to say the talent's better, but there's a there's a vaster amount of talented performers. You know there's still great performers 15 years ago, but you know, maybe there were half a dozen. Uh, I, you know, I'm not saying half a dozen for sure. But I'm saying maybe there were half a dozen, whereas now there might be 25 or 30. Yeah. You know, so there's there's more there's more talented wrestlers than there was 15, 20 years ago. Perhaps some people might argue there's less. I don't know, but there's it seems that the the, the talented bunch of performers that we have have been exposed to audiences who are wanting to see British wrestlers and British personalities and see them succeed I think there's a little bit no sorry I was just I I I think you're right I think I think a big part that's um, a big part that's played is the social media aspect of it as well like you look at a team like the Young Bucks in the US and 10 years ago they wouldn't have really been able to have a proper career outside of WWE I think it's fair to say um but they've you know they've carved out such a niche for themselves just with you know in terms of merchandise and building that buzz and and it's social media that's allowed that spread and would it be fair to say it's been the same in the UK whereas before it was so hard with the isolated pockets of wrestling fans to to bridge those gaps and to build that buzz over time whereas now things are being shared so quickly and and widely that you can build that groundswell of following to the point where you can get people who've never you know you could go to to pluck a name out of thin air you might go to Portsmouth um, and already have guys there buying tickets just because you're on the bill whereas 10 years ago that probably wouldn't have happened is that would that be right uh yeah i thought i think so um there's there's an element of social media as being able to connect more people and like say you can share things quicker than ever but you've got to look at the the kind of ground level as well in terms of the fact that 10 15 years ago there probably wasn't enough good stuff to share and I'm thinking about shows that I was on where the matches were perfectly adequate 
and everybody put on a good show and the crowd went home happy that were there and it was everything was hunky dory as they say but when you when you take a step back and look at the whole setup then maybe the lighting in the venue was poor maybe it was a dingy town hall that was in need of restoration maybe the ring looked a bit rickety you know all these kind of things maybe the entranceway was just a black curtain over a fire door yeah and you know no one's going to want to share that and if you know as much as you love something you're not going to want to turn around and and share that with your with your friends and people you know online and say well this is what i like i enjoy this i think this is cool because your friends are probably gonna you know absolutely rip it out of you because it looks poxy but all of a sudden we see lighting rigs so the lighting's better we see rings that are more professional that are the ropes are taped better and color coordinated the venues are blacked out or they're acoustically uh engineered better uh, the the houses are bigger. There's a there's a proper entranceway with trussing, video screens, all these kind of things. There's commentary added to the to the production as well. And now all of a sudden, when you want to share something like that, and and let's go a step further, thinking about the people who edit the videos and things like that, because that's a tremendously difficult job. And ten years ago, there was only a couple of people that could do it well. A, a lot a lot of people thought they could do it well but there's only a couple that really could so now there's more people that can do all that and now because it looks like something that people can be proud of they share it and because they share it it now spreads like wildfire because social media is so instant and it's it's a great point you make about the improvements to the to the um to the venues themselves and i've seen that definitely over certainly over the last couple of years does that motivate you as a performer to go out and give that little bit of extra effort knowing that your surroundings are that much more professional and in keeping with where you want to be oh of course it does it because you're you the surroundings the venue the wherever you are it can it can totally dictate the mood of the people walking in through the doors as well and you know i mean i'm, I'm not i'm not knocking this in any way because when i started 15 years ago with a bunch of other guys we were all starting on small shows in things like social clubs Mm. and you know social clubs are great for you know for a couple of 50 something guys to go out and have a quiet point on a sunday night away from you know the wife and stuff like and get a bit of peace and quiet but it's not the place you want to put on this uh, production to try and entice people to come in to spend money. So these days, if I turn to a venue and it's a small social club and the, you know, and the roof's asbestos and the walls are still stained yellow from smoking and stuff <laughs> like that, you'd, I'd turn around and I'd be thinking to myself, what am I doing here? Because we should be taking more pride in what we do. And, you know, not everybody can run a WrestleMania. You know, that's the, the truth. But a good promoter wants to run a brilliant venue because if you can make things as good as possible, you can get more out of it. So instead of running a 100-seater, you run a 500-seater because even though the risk is greater, 
the return is better. And if you've got 500 people in, then you know you've probably got a fair-sized venue with good professional lighting. Whereas if you're getting 100 people crammed in somewhere, then it's probably not uh, a setting where you've got professional lighting or a PA system set up and things like that. So instantly you're on a hiding to nothing trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Excellent point. And I I love hearing you say those things because I I like the idea that... uh, People put more thought into it rather than just turning up and just you know having the matches and so forth. And I, I agree with virtually everything you said there because it's um, it's really important. Little little details can um, make a big difference. And I think that goes for you guys as well. You're talking about the the venue, the setup, the, the editing, the lighting, but also for for the wrestlers themselves. I think gone are the days where I think I think audiences have got more sophisticated, and I think it's gone are the days where every every good guy runs to the ring and claps and goes, come on, and every bad guy tells someone to shut up in the front row. And it's like, I think that there's nothing wrong with those kind of things in, in, in isolation, but uh, I think we've gone beyond that. And I like seeing, and I won't start naming names because I'll leave people out or I'll include the wrong people, but I feel that there's a lot of people now that work all over Britain that have got really quite nuanced characters. And they're not a good guy in one promotion and a bad guy in another. And they're quite consistent with who they wrestle and who they don't like. In, in storyline terms, they've got good uh, outfits, they've got good names, all that kind of thing, and that plays a part as well, doesn't it? Because if, if you guys are just kind of going out there and wrestling, that kind of kills the rest of it. Well, I think the the thing is, I wouldn't say we're above certain things or or anything like that, but there's a lot of there's a lot of things that used to happen in the past, and they were they were cliches and. They were just habits that were passed on for no rhyme or no reason, and and that was that was the big problem I feel. Um, excuse me, but now it's a case of uh, audiences are different, and and the big thing is, let's be honest, society is a is a complex place really in in the modern world, and it's it's different to what it was twenty thirty years ago, and it's. Uh, you know, it, it's one of these things where, um, you know, you, you go back to 1985 and someone, you know, Ric Flair rolls <clears throat> Tito Santana up, grabs a handful of tights and, you know, there's going to be people, you know, throwing things at him and wanting to stab him and wanting to fight him and challenge him and, you know, step forward to 2017 and... Uh, a bad guy grabs a handful of trunks to pin a good guy and nobody really wants to to stab him or confront him or any of those kind of violent things and it's not because people don't get suckered into the action as much because they do the difference is is what is you know let's look at in reality how bad is grabbing someone's tights when you turn on the news and people are blowing each other up all the time and stuff like that so it's the world's a very different place so if you expect pulling someone's trunks to get a pin to to get real heat as a bad guy then you're living in in the wrong world because it's uh you know it's not exactly shocking these days is it another good point i feel like we could take this on for so so long paul i, I don't know about you but i feel like i'm sitting under the learning tree here this is this is really interesting stuff and i'd, I'd love to take this deeper because it's uh it's fascinating to me, but we are we are precious things. But what I'm going to do is before we move on to the um, the make it a two part. <laughs> hey, tell you what, well, tell you what we'll do is we'll promise we'll get you on after WrestleMania, 
and we'll have a little chat about um, how the uh, how the hosting thing went for you, and uh, and we can get into some other aspects of um, of everything because I'm I'm sure we could uh, talk for yeah. ages. I'm going to be self indulgent and ask you one uh, one last thing on on a personal level, um, which is the fir- the first time mm-hmm. I saw you wrestle, which I think was around about 2008, something like that. Um, you were Dave Morales then. You're now Dave Mastiff. Ex- yeah. Explain the explain right. the change change to me. Okay, I went to OVW to train with Rip Rogers in 2009. Um, and uh, Rip is as honest as they come. And like, like, the name Dave Morales just kind of got through together on the spot when I made my debut. <laughs> it was, oh, you're on first, what's your name? And I'm there going, oh, God. Uh, and just something comes plucked out of the air and, and that was it. So when I got to, to Louisville, to OVW, um, when I, I wrestled on the one of the house shows, like the first week I was there, and my name was up on the run sheet, and you have to pardon my, my language, but Rip saw it and said, Dave Morales, who the fuck is Dave Morales? <laughs> and uh, oh, that's me. And he looked at me and he said, you're not fucking Mexican, you fucking prick. And I went, that's very true. And he went, change your fucking name by Saturday or else. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's that, that's why the change came about. That is an, that is an, as excellent an explanation I can possibly hear. Um, uh, this is the point on some podcasts where I, we'd apologise for the language. I'm not going to apologise for that because that's a verbatim story and it makes uh, it makes a lot of sense. I, I've never met no. Rip Rogers, but um, uh, I've heard a lot about him from various different people and... Uh, that's quite consistent with uh, what I hear about him, but everyone always pretty much says the same thing: is that uh, he's quite serious and he's quite blunt, but he knows a lot about a great deal and uh, has been influential with a lot of people. It sounds like you uh, feel similar. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, it, uh, it's, it's quite strange because people say he's quite blunt and quite serious. He is absolutely blunt and to the point. And he's very serious about wrestling because he he loves it. But there was never, but there was there were so many times when I was training with Rip, where we'd we'd all just end up crying in laughter because of the stories he would tell. And it was, you know, so if if anybody thinks he's standoffish and uh, too serious, they've either not spent enough time around him or they have spent enough time around him for them to work for him to work out that that person's a waste of space and he's got no time for them so he, that's that that's rip he's his heart's on his sleeve and if he if he cares about you you'll know about it because he'll push you harder than anyone's pushed you before and make you think more about wrestling than anybody else and uh, and and you'll know that he that he gives he gives a shit about you and how you developing and stuff like that. Superb. Um, for anyone listening that's uh, interested in uh, what Dave's had to say and uh, if it's the kind of thing that floats your boat getting into the, some of the details, which hopefully you will do, certainly I've found it fascinating. Um, Rip Rogers will be up your street on Twitter. I follow him on Twitter. Um, he's at Hustler2754. Um, so he's, uh, it's worth a follow for people. Um, right, Dave. Come. Yeah, some people will say, sorry, some people, some people will turn around and say, oh, he's too old school and all this kind of stuff, and that's that's absolute nonsense. Anybody who says he's too old school and disagrees all the time with him uh, are people that just have got 
yeah, they're, they're the same kind of people who keep saying things like, oh, the business has changed and get with the times. And yeah, the business has changed, society's changed, but the core values of what we do to entertain people in the ring are exactly the same. Agreed, completely agreed. Um, here, here. Um, let's move on to our uh, WrestleMania Impossible Challenge. Um, let me brief, briefly oh, explain to you uh, your role in this, Dave, and we need you to preside over as a judge. Um, I should say that the first person we had on as a judge on this was uh, uh, a previous uh, host of the Birmingham Hooked on Wrestling show, um, Rob Lee, uh, and he went... Well, now I've got his job. Uh, you've, got his, you've, got his, <laughs> you've got his job in, on WrestleMania Day and indeed now as the judge. Uh, and it's a little bit of a head-to-head between me and Paul, and uh, he voted for Paul's choice all three times. So I'm glad you've got his job, sod him. <laughs> Hi, okay. Rob, if you're listening. Um, anyway, the WrestleMania Impossible Challenge, um, what it is is that Paul let slip to me um, a few weeks ago that he'd never seen WrestleMania's one or two, um, and I told him that he had to. Not that they were great shows necessarily, but you need to be familiar with the whole uh, oeuvre, hey, is what I'm saying. WrestleMania 2, Jake Roberts versus George Wells, that is an absolute masterpiece in a wrestler taking a non-wrestler to an entertaining match. Oh man, see, we should have got we should have got Dave on from the start, Paul. And we could have done we, we could have done WrestleMania two with him because we we struggled. A what did we put in from WrestleMania two? Let's have a look. Oh, we put in the. Uh, it was the Bulldogs against the, Bulldogs the Dream, Dream Team, Team, I think, was wasn't it? Yeah. Um, let me let me set the table. So what we'll do is um, uh, I will pick a match and Paul will pick a match from each WrestleMania as we're going along. Um, and what we're going to ask you to do is make the judgment on which one would you put on a WrestleMania mixtape. So if someone was coming along to WrestleMania 33 to a hooked on party, um, but before they got there, we needed to educate them on re- what WrestleMania is about by showing them one match from each mania to sort of educate them through WrestleMania history. What would we pick? So it doesn't have to be the best match or the most drawing match or the biggest stars or anything like that. But it needs to be something that is, you know, epitomizing wrestling at that point for that particular WrestleMania. Um, I'll do a very, very quick run through of um, what we've done so far because we are up to uh, to uh, 15. So I need to uh, run through this very quickly. But we have... Um, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T versus Piper and Orndorff. Bulldogs versus the Dream Team. Hogan versus Andre. Uh, Savage versus DiBiase from WrestleMania 4. Uh, Ultimate Warrior versus Rick Rude from 5. Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan from 6. Undertaker versus Jimmy Snooker from 7. Brett versus Roddy Piper from 8. The Steiners versus the Head Shrinkers from 9. Shawn Michaels versus Razor from 10 in the ladder match. Shawn Michaels again at WrestleMania 11 against Diesel. Uh, the Ultimate Warrior versus Triple H at 12. Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin at 13, and Stone Cold versus Shawn Michaels at 14. You'll tell there, Dave, that there's quite a mix of stuff. I think you would agree that the Ultimate Warrior versus Triple H is not necessarily the same kind of match as Bret versus Stone Cold, but it's it's what represents that particular mania. Um, so, be- well, it's quite a couple of contentious ones there. What I saw the uh, WrestleMania three going for Hogan Andre for the iconic slam and. Not Steamboat versus Savage for the Matt Classic. Well, once again, blame Rob Lee yeah. because I picked uh, I picked Savage <laughs> and Steamboat. Paul picked Hogan Andre, and uh, I was defeated on that occasion. But the reason we're doing this is that Paul is going to try and watch all the WrestleManias um, from one through to thirty-two between when we started this challenge and WrestleMania itself in a couple of weeks' time. Now, we're going to do 15, 16, 17, and 18 today. Paul, I think you're a little bit further on than that, though, aren't you? You're, you're doing well on your challenge. You're going to get there. I'm going to get there. I had a good couple of weeks and I am up to, where am I now? Um, I'm halfway through WrestleMania 23. Wow. So I'm going to get there. I'm going to do this. I, um, 
I think we should. Uh, you you realise you need a huge, huge present for uh, for your wife just after WrestleMania, don't you? To, for, to make up for the fact that all you've done is watch wrestling for the last, you know, month or so. Oh mate, I've got that covered already. I am buying her tickets to the NXT tour she in May. Available now from <laughs> Ticketmaster.co.uk. <laughs> <laughs> Good man. Uh, uh, our tickets, by the way, are from ringsideworld.co.uk. If we haven't mentioned that as well, we need to uh, get all our plugs in at the same time. Right, let's do uh, WrestleMania 15. Um, I made a fatal error last week in, uh, and I went out of turn. I think it's you to go first, Paul, isn't it? And not me. Uh, you're on the odd numbers. Is that right? I am indeed, Rob, so I'll take up. Okay, so my case for WrestleMania 15. Um, it's not the best WrestleMania, um, not to put too fine a point. It was a couple of fallow years starting after number 14, and, and this, this really is the start of that. I don't have particular particularly good memories of it from being a kid. It kind of passed me by then, um, and it didn't do much for me when I rewatched it recently. Um, the only match I can pick that stands up and stands the test of time um, is the main event. It's the uh, it's the match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. Um, it's no disqualification match for the WWF Championship. It was the first of the, the trilogy these guys had over six WrestleManias. Uh, it's a very good match. Um, the two biggest stars, certainly of that era, potentially of all time, facing off for the first time at that stage. Um, and it was, you know, it was the... It was the Austin era carrying on. It was the Rock really ascending to that superstar status. Um, and like I said, it, it doesn't excite me the, on the rest of the car, so I'm picking that almost by default. Yeah, it's a strange sort of era, this one, in the sense that it's 1999 and wrestling's about as hot as it was ever going to be, but it's not the greatest WrestleMania. In terms of looking back, perhaps at the time, you judge things differently because of how hot the product is and how much people are into the characters looking back because the emphasis isn't on the in-ring stuff. Maybe that um, makes it different. It's hard to argue with you there, Paul, but I'm going to go with a different um, style. Um, I'm not going to try and compete in terms of that being the best match. I'm going to try and put someone on the WrestleMania mixtape that's not been on there so far that's representative of the era. I won't say it's um, style over substance, but I'm going to, I'm going to go for... Um, Sable versus Tory. Now, it's not a good match by any stretch of the imagination, but Sable was a huge, huge star around this time. Um, and this is a, she's sort of going into being a, a villainous character at this point, but it shouldn't be underestimated just how big a draw Sable was. And perhaps it epitomizes WWE going into a lot more for sex appeal, the cross promotion with things like Playboy, the uh, you know, aiming at an older adolescent audience to, to draw people in. Uh, and it worked. So I'm absolutely not suggesting that it's a better match than Austin versus Rock, but I have to put up something in opposition and I'm going to go with a, a different alternative. Um, Dave, it's over to you. It might not be the trickiest decision you have on this podcast. Us, but uh, I'll, uh, I'll leave it up to your conscience. Both very valid reasons. Um, there is no female match on any of the cards you've mentioned so far. So it would be good to have some kind of representative. But if you're trying to show someone a mixtape of what WrestleMania is really all about, then it would be Rock versus Austin, wouldn't it? So I'd have to go for that there have, uh, there have been some Wrestlemanias where uh, me and Paul have legitimately had a, a difference of opinion and we've uh, um, put our case forward um, I don't think this one is one of those things I think I have to uh, I think I have to uh, take, a, take a back seat on that one and ad- admit that uh, Paul gets to, uh, to take that one um, we move on to Wrestlemania 16 which was stylized at the time as uh, Wrestlemania 2000 um, again you said earlier on Paul to me uh, just before we went on 
on air that 2000 might be as good a year as there ever was in the WWF at the time, and I would tend to agree. But again, not necessarily the most um, amazing WrestleMania, but there are a couple of uh, very good matches on there, in my opinion. Um, I'm going to go with one um, that was really the first of its kind. There were many, many that followed. I'm not necessarily saying this is the best one, but it is the first one um, of the type that they did. Um, and because of the... Uh, I'm not necessarily a big fan of how it's developed into just being a, a complete stuntman showpiece. I think there's sometimes more more to wrestling than just jumping off of things and, and landing unsafely. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, Edge and Christian versus the Dudleys versus the Hardys in the triangle ladder match. It wasn't a TLC at that point. The first TLC was actually later that year at SummerSlam, as I recall. But um, the match at WrestleMania was essentially the same sort of match. Um, but it was very well put together by three teams that were... Um, full of chemistry, extremely hot at the time. Uh, and there are some other good matches on this Mania, but I think it's a, it's a completely new thing for WrestleMania at that stage. And, and to this day, we often have ladder matches or variants thereof. This was really the, the first multi-man one. We already have on the mixtape um, HBK versus Razor Ramon as the first real um, standout singles one. This is taken to another level uh, some six years later. Okay, um, well, I'll preface this by saying, yep, I think 2000 is the greatest year in wrestling. I've got many, many fond memories of watching wrestling this year. I think I've consumed every minute that WWE put out in 2000. That said, I think it's the worst WrestleMania of all time. Oh, that's um, Come on. Poor Ouch. matches. Poor matches. A lot of them essentially meaningless. I mean, the only reason that... Uh, the big boss man and Bull Buchanan against the Godfather and D'Lo Brown is on there was to promote a bloody WECD of um, remixes they were putting out and the same for a couple of matches it was just dreadful and the fact that there's not a single one-on-one male encounter on the whole pay-per-view is just dreadful unforgivable in booking terms that said I'm here to make an argument for what needs to go on the tape Um, and to me it's pretty clear um, that the match that needs to go on from WrestleMania 16 or WrestleMania 2000 is, is also a triple threat match, also a title match. Um, it's Chris Benoit versus Kurt Angle versus Chris Jericho. Um, and to be honest, I'm going to use a very, very similar argument to that you used. Yes, this was the start of like the real sort of ladder match era in terms of using it as a spot spot fest showcase whatever you want to call it rather than the michael's razor style but also to me it was the time that wwe's in-ring quality started to go up you started to get some fantastic talent between the ropes um leading away from the attitude era and where it was all about the stories into what into more about the quality of the action this is the wrestlemania debut for all three of these guys that became hugely pivotal for wwe over the next few years obviously one of those three guys had a tragic ending which i, I, I will gloss over for now um, but you know really key these three guys for driving the match quality up in WWE seeing them all make their debuts um, with two titles on the line in a 2-4 match was unique as well um, so I'm picking that triple threat match so it's triple threat against triple threat here mate oh well I was hoping someone was going to mention the team of Steve Blackman and Al Snow and Head Cheese <laughs> <but>. <laughs> and, who, and who can forget Chester McCheesington in their corner exactly <laughs> Um, but for me, it's got to be the uh, Intercontinental and European title match. I think just for the reasons mentioned in terms of the fact that it was uh, seemingly at the time three younger guys coming through with a slightly uh, a slightly different style influenced by Japan and places like that. And obviously it was the kind of 
really it was almost the I want to say it, it was the start of the of Kurt Angle's real kind of push to to the top. He he was the least experienced guy in there, but I think just how natural he was or is in terms of in the ring in professional wrestling, it was the perfect stage for him to to show that, and it was the the start of what was. I think an incredible, particularly the first five five years of his, six years of his career. So it's a, it's a good showcase for that. I think it's official, Paul. I think the uh, I think basically the Midlands hates me. I think that's what it is. That's uh, three from Rob Lee, <laughs> two from Dave Mastiff. I'm I am over five in American parlance so far with uh, their judging. I have got time to pull it back. We're going to do another couple more. Uh, listen, it's a really fair shout because the, the, we we have talked a lot on this uh, mixtape about um, debuts, haven't we? We've we've had Undertaker versus Jimmy Snooker, for example. Um, as a match which is not a classic but it's the start of the streak and other people making their first Wrestlemania appearance um, Triple H versus Ultimate Warriors in for that sort of reason as well despite the fact that it was a you know, two minutes and you're done so we have had people being introduced to Wrestlemania and as you rightly said um, the tragic uh, you know things around Chris Benoit should not be ignored but in terms of we're talking about the wrestling here and he is part of the um, the Wrestlemania story as indeed are Kurt and, and Jericho so I, uh, again, begrudgingly, even though I disagree with the choice, I begrudgingly admit that that is a, a good selection. Um, we move on. You mentioned that WrestleMania 2000 might have been your least favourite WrestleMania. We move on to one that is often in people's, at least in their top two or three, many people consider WrestleMania 17 the best WrestleMania of all time. Um, you don't have to answer that, Paul, whether you think it is or not, but uh, you do have to go first and, uh, and make your selection from I, what I think is a tough decision on this card. Yep. Uh, fully agree. Uh, this is one of my top two favourite manias of all time. I always um and are about whether it's this one or another one we're going to come to later, but it's right up there. Um, one of the greatest cards ever put together in professional wrestling, um, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and it's tough, you know. There's four or five matches I could pick on here and make make a case for. Um, ultimately, though, I'm going to I'm going I'm going to sound like a bit of a broken record here. I'm going to go and try and get a second Stone Cold Steve Austin versus um, The Rock match on here, right? Okay, um, bear with me, bear with me. I know we're all about variety on the mixtape, but for starters, this is this is arguably the greatest WrestleMania main event in terms of in-ring, certainly up to this point, possibly of all time. I'm not sure whether I'd necessarily go with that, but the argument's there. Secondly, we've got the we, you know we've got the, the second point in a trilogy. You have got the world title on the line in front of the what felt like the most epic WrestleMania of all time. These two guys were two years removed from the last match. Much bigger stars, especially The Rock. It was in Austin's home state. It just felt absolutely electric. And then boom, he turned heel. Turned heel at the end of the match, siding with Vince McMahon. Uh, an epoch-changing moment. An epoch-era-defining moment. You know, the last few years, those two fighting back and forth with the with the WWE on their backs. Suddenly, they're shaking hands in the middle of the ring as the as Stone Cold turns heel. Now, in hindsight, not the greatest decision, but for me, the reason I want this match on above all else is that match, that moment, that handshake. To me, marks the end of the Attitude Era. 
and we move into the next era, moving to the to the invasion era or, and beyond. It's the it's the exclamation point on the most successful era in WWE history, and nothing was ever the same again. And I think it's really important that we mark that in WrestleMania history by putting this full stop on it. So I'm going for my second attempt at getting Austin versus The Rock in there. First of all, that's the third podcast in a row. I think you said exclamation point rather than exclamation mark. So you're, I know. I, 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 think you're doing it, I think you're doing it to annoy me now. But you did say full stop and not period. So I don't know where you are on your on your syntax. Um, in terms of the match itself, I actually genuinely disagree. This is not one of those ones where I'm going to be wacky for the podcast or I have to pick something different. I completely disagree. Um, partly because it's a this is a mixtape and we've just had one of those matches uh, two WrestleManias ago. But everything you're talking about, the heel turn, the handshake is not part of the WrestleMania story. The following year, Stone Cold was a, was a hero again because, frankly, the heel turn didn't really work. Um, I don't like that ending. It's a great match-up until the end, of course, but I don't like the ending. I don't want to sound like one of these picky assholes that has to moan about everything. I once heard someone talk about the, uh, this, the Shawn Michaels-Undertaker match from WrestleMania 25 and say, well, I don't think it was a five-star match because Undertaker rather botched the dive to the outside. And it's like, shut up, you prick. All right? it's, just, it's only one of the greatest matches of all time. If you can't appreciate it for one little error, behave yourself. We'll get to that in a few podcasts' time. Um, but for this one for 17, I can't have that match because of those reasons. Um, so I am going to go with an Undertaker match. I'm going to go with Undertaker Triple H. Um, which was the uh, the penultimate match on the show? Um, I feel I could have made a, a few choices. Um, I, I, you could have gone with. I could try again on the on the TLC front because there was a TLC match on this one, um, but I, I've lost once with it, so I'm not going to go to the well again. Um, I think you could also go with Shane versus Vince because, although not necessarily a, a great wrestling match by any stretch, it was a, a spectacle put together involving Linda and Mick Foley and Trish Stratus and Stephanie and and other things. It was a, a good illustration of how. The WWE can weave a narrative, even if it's not necessarily a, a great technical classic. Um, but I'm going Undertaker Triple H um, because I feel this is the next step in Undertaker's um, WrestleMania evolution. We put Undertaker Snooker in because it's the start of the streak. But until this point, Undertaker had been mostly just beating stiffs or not having great matches anyway. I shouldn't say stiffs. That's disrespectful to the people he was beating. I don't mean that. But I mean, it, they weren't matches that were necessarily... Um, done for the the match quality it was more for just who he was beating or you know maintaining his aura this as the american badass undertaker as i, as I recall um they actually went for a match it was a bit of a wild brawl um and it was it was a cracker i think by two people that were really on the top of their game then and goodness me are still going 16 years later will both likely be involved in this year's wrestlemania so for me undertaker versus triple h over well, that's a shame, because if you would have said Vince versus Shane, then I would have agreed with you. I missed the trick. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if, likewise, if you would have said the gimmick battle royal, that Iron Sheik had to win because he couldn't take the bump over the top, I would have again agreed with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> that actually wouldn't be the worst thing to put in in terms of explaining WrestleMania, because that was a celebration of the gimmicks, I suppose. It was, it was fun while it lasted. Bobby Heenan on commentary and... All that Tremendous. great stuff. Um, but I'm going to have to go again with Rockstone Cold simply because they were the two biggest stars of the Attitude Era and nobody... I mean, Hogan was a megastar, but uh, the, the amount of money that Hulk Hogan generated was over a long period, whereas the money that the Rock and Stone Cold generated you know, separately in that short period of time of what three years maybe was 
unprecedented and they were just too you know they, they were yin and yang in terms of the characters you know the the refined smooth kind of cool rock and then you've got stone cold who's just the ultimate working class hero and uh, I, I think just the the combination of those two those two personalities clashing together like I say in his in his home state in what was at the time the biggest Wrestlemania of all time so you're going to have to put the second part of the trilogy in I'm afraid I'm starting well, I don't know if I want to suggest it's some sort of um, conspiracy uh, no to be fair I, I can understand that goodness me I could have had two other choices and I could have got something through and uh, I picked the wrong one um, here's a... I'm wondering who gets to choose matches first out of you two guys because uh, that that's what I'm looking at you, you know we're going for the uh, we're going for the best ones every time it seems and you're getting the short end of the stick choosing second well um, we, 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 we're alternating it that's the idea is that we do, we do it on the alternate so uh, so, so I get okay. the uh, I get the even numbers and oh let me see we're on Wrestlemania 18 what should I pick Paul from Wrestlemania 18 uh, well what I'm going to say to you Rob before you make your pick is for the first time um I'm not. I'm going to put up an argument. I know what you're going to go with. I'm going to argue against it, um, but I'm going to disagree with every word I say. So we'll make it quick. Well, I'm sure you can find some reasons for your thing, but um, uh, I'm going to go with. It's going to shock everyone. This. Uh, I'm going to go with The Rock versus Hulk Hogan. Um, I don't need to pitch this. I don't think, but I will say a few words on the uh, on the nature of the match. Um, it is uh, not necessarily an absolute classic in the ring in some ways and in other ways it's one of the greatest matches that anyone will ever see um, because the two people were so completely assured of who they were their status um, in wrestling history um, I think The Rock's um, role in this is greatly undervalued in my opinion because I think we all knew that the crowd were going to be pretty much for Hogan especially in Toronto where he was a, you know always remained a legend but um Rock didn't allow himself to be overawed. He played his part. He essentially um, was a bit of a heel during the match without going fully fledged. Um, I just think it's a, a it's a piece of art in terms of the crowd loving what they're into, loving a couple of characters, them doing a good job. Even the post-match stuff is fun. Um, it's not the greatest match in WrestleMania history, but it might well be the greatest match spectacle in Mania history. It has to go in. Paul? It does indeed. It does indeed. You're absolutely right. Um, I would think less of anyone that argued against this match. Um, just for the sake of um, doing so, if I, if that match were to not exist, my argument would be, if, funnily enough, it was something Dave said earlier that I kind of agree with. Um, the lack of women's matches on this list so far is pretty shocking. Um, I, would, I would say that up until this point in history, though, women's matches weren't treated particularly seriously maybe with the exception of the first couple of wrestlemanias um this match between jazz lita and trish stratus um for the women's championship was the first wrestlemania in over a decade where the, the women were really put on a proper pedestal as competitors it was the emergence of trish stratus um as a proper singles wrestling star um and i think they all acquitted themselves fantastically well um and like i say if rock hogan didn't exist that would be my pick it's a fair comment in some ways um i think they were they were cut short, as I recall. I think it's quite a short match because Rock Hogan went on very long. I might be just li- I might be listening to tittle tattle there, but um, that's my uh, my recollections. But it's a fair point, and I think there are 
a couple of matches on WrestleManias to come that are female matches that I've got in mind, but we'll get there on a, another podcast. Um, well, I will say that WrestleMania 22, uh, Mickey James versus Trish Stratus, that will probably be the first female match that you have to put on in, in my mind. But then again, WrestleMania 22, I believe, was John Cena against Triple H and the dynamic of the match between the crowd and the wrestlers and who they wanted to cheer for and who they wanted to boo was also a masterpiece. So whoever's on for that episode, I feel sorry <laughs> for them because I've got to pick between them. <laughs> um, as far as WrestleMania 18 goes, then it's a, it is the obvious choice. It is Rock versus Hogan. Um and people get carried away saying it's not the greatest match, it's not the best match. And what you have to, what people forget is the fact that wrestling and the show, the spectacle that is professional wrestling, is indeed that. It is a show. And it's not about the technical proficiencies of putting on a hammerlock or a headlock or doing a body slam. Professional wrestling is about making people feel a certain way regardless. So it doesn't matter about what the mechanics are. And Rock versus Hogan made every single person in that building and everybody who watched it on pay-per-view or illegally streamed it or whichever it made them feel a certain way in a way that they'll, they'll they'll never forget that if they watched it and they're a wrestling fan and it's I, I know people um, Ashton Smith for starters he could watch that match on repeat all day and we're what 15 years removed from it or something like that um, and it's it, and it's exactly because of that because it's too absolute icons in a cauldron of an atmosphere and it's people either remembering the childhood or living at their teenage years and that match makes them feel something and that's what professional wrestling is for it's so you can watch it you can feel something towards it that'll make you want to cheer boo scream cry laugh skip a heartbeat it, it doesn't matter it's about emotionally investing you and that is the perfect example for me here here and you know you know you whenever i hear any criticism in the ring of hulk hogan all right the guy can't do a hurricane runner or a plancher to the outside or whatever but if anybody criticizes him as a as a performer just point to that match and it, what a masterpiece it is in in reading the crowd and giving the crowd what they want and dictating what goes on between those guys based on the crowd reactions. It's phenomenal. Exactly. And the truth is, give me a give me a chimpanzee, and within six months I'll get him doing a hurricane runner. So, <laughs> does that really matter? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the truth. I love you it. Know. I love it. But can can a chimpanzee make seventy thousand people? in one building feel a certain way because they tell a story and they make people you know like say fall in love with them or hate them or just just you know, it takes it takes something to there's going to be somebody out there going well yeah I love chimpanzees well yeah good for you mate but <laughs> there's 
you know, you can't, not just anybody can make, can have that kind of impact on a crowd or people in general. So for that very reason, those two are, or were, however you want to say it, special, special performers. Superbly well said. And I think in terms of the, uh, the all round nature of this little project with the, um, with the mixtape, um, Hogan Andre at WrestleMania 3, as we, we talked about briefly earlier on, I think has a little bit of that quality in terms of the, the icons. Um, Hogan is on this WrestleMania tape quite a lot in the early days. It kind of feels right. This is probably going to be his um, his last appearance. I don't think it was anything um, after this which um, would warrant. Oh, we'll see. We, we never know who's going to be uh, choosing in, the, in future weeks. But... Um, this is probably the last time you'll see Hogan on this mixtape, and it kind of feels, it kind of feels right that it, you were talking about an era ending, Paul, at WrestleMania 17. Your idea of the Attitude Era ending, that's as maybe. Um, I think Hogan's era was probably over long before 18, but um, this was a signal of a little resurgence, um, and indeed a, a nice, <laughs> let's call it an exclamation mark, uh, at, uh, on, on Hogan's <laughs> career, and I think it was a, a nice thing for him. Excellent. Um, that wraps up um, our WrestleMania mixtape um, portion for uh, for this particular podcast. We'll move on to Wrestle- probably WrestleMania's 19 to 22, I think, next time is what's going to be likely the uh, um, the section. So if you're watching, I know some people are watching along. Um, some of the listeners have said, oh, I've got back into watching a load of WrestleManias from the start because of what you've been doing. So uh, if uh, if that's your game, then uh, maybe 19 to 22 is the thing to watch in the year. Uh, um, the next little while. Um, me and Paul are acutely aware that um, we may run out of time before getting to Mania if we're doing one per week. So we might just up the quota of podcasts um, as we get towards WrestleMania to uh, to try and fit these in, if we can if we can source the judges. Um, but uh, Dave, thank you for judging. Thank you for, um, at the very end, even if it was a penalty kick, uh, allowing me uh, one on the board. Um, but I understand your choices and uh, and enjoyed listening to your um, reasons, um, uh, therefore. Um, just before we uh, we wrap things up, one more shout for the fact that uh, Dave is going to be our host at Shooters in Birmingham for our Hooked on Wrestling, Hooked on Events WrestleMania party. We have eight across the country. You can find more on our Twitter and Facebook that we mentioned uh, earlier on in the show, uh, and you can get tickets at ringsideworld.co.uk. Um, for you personally, if people want to follow you on social media, Dave, where can they find you? Uh, on social media, it's at Dave Mastiff on Twitter. Uh, Real Dave Mastiff on Instagram and the official Dave Mastiff uh, on Facebook. Uh, Going back to the shooters thing on April 2nd, anybody attending or thinking about attending, I want to see lots of fancy dress. Lots. Because I think that is the most fun thing to do. And I've been to WrestleMania's and I've seen... Uh, guys walking around in fancy dress and it's some of the best laughs ever because some guys really go to town on their costume and others not so much and they're awful but that makes them equally as awesome so I think on the night there's going to be prizes for the best and indeed prizes for the worst if I'm honest so Absolutely. get that fancy and, dress on and you'll be the judge Dave on the night you're, you're oh, in yeah. charge of signing his best so you know, if anyone turns up as Dave Mastiff for uh, for that night, might be a bit odd for you, 
but I'm sure that I'll score on bonus points. Very possibly. <laughs> I, can, I can neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> Excellent stuff. So uh, if you're listening in Birmingham or in, in the region, Wolverhampton, Coventry, Worcester, wherever you are in that part of the world, get along to shooters in Birmingham. And Dave wants you in fancy dress, so you have, uh, you have been told. Um, Dave, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been an absolute joy. Um, I know I can speak for Paul as well to say that uh, we found this uh, utterly fascinating. And thanks for joining in the spirit of things in terms of the uh, the mixtape as well. Um, good luck on your hosting duties. And uh, we will uh, hopefully speak to you after WrestleMania if you're up for that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. And it's been uh, it's been nice to do a, a podcast that's been uh, slightly different to the the standard. There's, a lot, I get asked to do a lot of podcasts, and some of them, you know, some of them are very good, but then some of them kind of get a little bit repetitive. So it was nice to do uh, a few little things there, like the WrestleMania mixtape game and stuff like that. So it's, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. We we do our best, and uh, uh, very nice to hear. Um, Paul, thank you again for uh, for joining us this week, and uh, get back to. Um, I'll leave you to watching your next set of WrestleManias, and we'll. Uh, We'll have to get back into this really soon because we've got a lot to catch up before uh, the big day itself. Yeah, absolutely, Rob. Thank you again for your hosting uh, extraordinaire abilities. Um, yeah, I think we might be tempted to plug another one in before this time next week. And and again, just to reiterate, thanks, Dave. Um, really insightful chat, actually. Probably the most thought-provoking we've had. Um, and a great contrast to Dean A.S.'s um, sophomoric humour <laughs> <laughs> last week. Um, a nice companion piece. So, yeah, really appreciate it. Looking forward to having you on again. Fantastic guys, thank you. Oh, we still we still love you, Dean, despite what uh, Paul just said. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. This has been the Hooked On podcast. We will see you very very soon. Don't forget to uh, have a look at our stuff in terms of WrestleMania coming up. Get your tickets fast because they are shifting. Uh, this has been the Hooked On podcast, and remember, this is wrestling. Enjoy it. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>